my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about deglobalization. We're talking about the, the end of the unipolar world into a multipolar world, and we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, of course. And today we have a big show. I'm calling it, oh man, the, <laughs> the Ukraine money pit, exposing America's hidden agenda. Now, I typically talk about the convergence of politics finance and technology. <laughs> and here we are, politics and finance that are coming together. And yes, there's technology in this as well. And this is a little bit off of my normal path of what I typically talk about, but it's such an important um, topic that I've been studying, I've been paying attention to. And I thought, you know what, let's just talk about this to see what's going on. Now, at the at, at the point we're at right now, we're literally on the brink of a United States government shutdown. The shutdown is happening because they can't, the, the, the government leaders, the Republicans and Democrats, can't come together in an agreement on how to fund the government moving forward. And uh, if you've been paying attention, you've been hearing that, well, you know, the government shuts down and uh, actually most of the government still gets paid. You know, the executive branch, the president, Congress, they all sure, they all get paid. Oh, all the money still goes to Ukraine to fund their government as well. Now, if you're a low-level government worker, you know, that really needs the money, sorry, you don't get paid. If you're a parks and recreation worker, if you're like a critical services, 
you don't get paid. Uh, everyone else, they still get paid. Now, so it's, it's a good time to talk about this topic specifically. Uh, we'll come back on the, uh, the, the government shutdown. We'll talk about more of that later if you want. Send me a comment. Let me know if you want me to dig into that story more. But I want to talk about how much have we actually spent in Ukraine so far? Where could that money have gone? Where is it going? Uh, where else is Zelensky getting money from? Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some history of some different wars that actually look very similar to the one that we're dealing with right now. Look at the real cost of taxpayers and then uncover what I think is actually the real uh, yeah, I think the real agenda going on. We're going to talk about all of that and more. We got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and just keep going here. But you know, this war that we're in, the the Ukraine war, it's been a pretty big deal. We still see a lot of uh, Ukraine flags and stuff going around on social media and people driving around. Not near as many as we have been, um, and it looks like support's been waning. But let's just dig in a little bit. So, how much money has been spent uh, sent to Ukraine from the United States so far? Well. The answer is, it's very difficult to find out. So that's the problem right off the bat. Now, if we're sending money to Ukraine, shouldn't we know how much we've sent? Shouldn't we know how much we've pledged? And shouldn't we even more importantly know where it's all going and has gone? Shouldn't it be accounted for? Well, the answer is it's not. We have really no good way to find out. Um, I've, me and my show producer Q, we spent hours researching this, trying to get this exact data from you. And it's very, very difficult. What we can do, we went back through all these news headlines to see every time they've announced new funding. Um, there's some reports on the internet saying as much as $200 billion has been um, sent over to Ukraine. Um, and some reports that uh, seem pretty credible are down to as low as $75 billion. Uh, when I look at probably the most cited report is from the Kiel Institute for the World Economy. It's a German research institute. And they say it's about $115 billion. So... Somewhere in the 150 billion. However, when I did some more math, I saw that there was actually more money that was um, sent to Ukraine, but not actually given to Ukraine. Meaning, it went to like other parts of Europe to help the Ukraine war, which totaled up another, you know, 37 billion. So we're somewhere in the 150 billion range, as best as I can tell, that's been spent on this so far. So how has that been spent? Well, like I said, we don't even know how much has been spent. They certainly don't want the U.S. taxpayer to know how much money has been funneled out of the country. Now, we'll, we'll just keep this frame in mind. We'll come back to this. But um, you guys remember Julian Assange, the guy who's been locked up in prison for a long time because of uh, journalism, because of releasing things to the public that the, the government didn't want you to know? He said um, that, you know, the Afghanistan war and really all wars are a way to funnel money from taxpayers into the corporations. Wars are a way that we use to get money from taxpayers and send to corporations. Keep that frame in mind. Now, he was talking at the time specifically about the Afghanistan war, which went on for 20 years and $20 trillion. But where did that money actually go? Like, who actually received it? Well, the contractors. So in this case, we have about $115 trillion, uh, billion, potentially $150 billion-ish that has been gone. So where did it go? We're going to dig into that. Uh, but what we do know is that the U.S. has sent a lot of weapons over there. They've sent 186 Bradley tanks over to Ukraine at a cost of, you know, around uh, 2 million bucks a piece. No big deal. Uh, per 60 minutes, the U.S. has spent over $43 billion on military aid. 
So it's gone to that. Uh, but we know that lots of other money has gone in other places. We know that there's been about $32 billion for humanitarian aid and financial support. So where does that go? Where's the financial aid? Where's the humanitarian aid go? We're going to dig into that more. Don't worry. Uh, but what we know is that it's the equivalent of about somewhere about 10% of the American budget for military. Now, just to put this in the frame of reference, the United States spends 10, as much as the next 10 countries combined on our military. So it's a lot of money. Now, there's lots of different programs that have been funded. Uh, we can see, like, for example, the United States government has been buying seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers. It's been covering the salaries of Ukraine's uh, government and first responders, 57,000 of them. Uh, we can see that um, Ukraine has been diverting funds over for um, clearing unexploded ammunitions from the country's rivers, um, you know, and lots of things like that. Lots of, lots of aid, things like that. Now, you know, this was painted as the most important war in the world for Americans. As a matter of fact, Mitch McConnell the other day said that this is the single most important issue for American and voters. We have to give more money to Ukraine. It's the single most important issue. That's what he said. Although I don't know a single American that I know personally that thinks it's that. As a matter of fact, I would guess for most people, it's probably not even in their top 20. Now, it's been painted as this is a war against democracy. We have to promote democracy. This is a fight for freedom. That's what the United States does. But Ukraine is not a story of Ukraine, uh, of, of democracy or freedom. As a matter of fact, it's a story of corruption and accusation. And this goes back for a really long time. We can see really going back till. 2014, 2015, we can see then in 2015, the then prosecutor general of Ukraine was accused of corruption by the National uh, Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, uh, allegedly had accepted more than $2 million in bribes. Uh, of course, those allegations were denied. In 2016, we can see the Minister of Infrastructure was arrested for corruption. 2017, the then head of the state Customs Service was arrested for corruption. According to the monitoring group Transparency International, Ukraine is ranked the second most corrupt country in all of Europe. Only Russia scores lower, but that's in corruption. So they're right next to Russia. Now, in addition to that, uh, supposedly it's some form of democracy, but the president, an actor, um, literally got into power by getting the democratically voted in president thrown in prison. Hmm. And then he went around and shut down churches and locked up pastors. And that doesn't sound like a free democratic country to me. But we're going to come back to all that. Don't worry. Let's just keep going. So based off of these rankings, it's the most corrupt country. It's certainly not a free, open, um, democratic country either. But again, where did all this money go? Just recently, we saw this week that uh, one of the defense ministers took off with like a billion dollars. And uh, Zelensky says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's, it's not American money. It was, it was Ukrainian money. Yeah, but the U.S. is the one giving the money to, the, <laughs> to Ukraine. Uh, it's insane. Uh, but why is all this happening? We're going to come back to that in a second. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Uh, we're talking about deglobalization. We're talking about the decentralization. And we're talking about the money pit that's going on in Ukraine. How much money and where it's gone. I'll be back with more on that in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about the money pit that's over in Ukraine. What the heck is going on? How much money has been spent, and where is it going? But more importantly, what the heck is actually going on? What's the real agenda going on over there? Um, so we're breaking that down. Now, we talked about before the break about how much money. And as I said, it's very murky. Uh, I think it's intentionally murky. They don't tell you exactly how much money has been spent. Estimates are as high as uh, 200, million, 200 billion, as low as 75 billion. When I add it up, I think it's about 145 billion-ish. Um, not specifically to the Ukrainian government, but spent on the Ukraine war effort total. Uh, maybe just specifically to Ukraine, about $75 billion, so somewhere in that range. But how much is enough? How much money do we need? Because Ukraine's recovery is going to require all types of investments. It might actually be the biggest investment project that we've ever seen. As a matter of fact, uh, Zelensky actually came over and met with global leaders um, in July of last year and said that the country estimates it needs more than $750 billion through 2032 in grants, debts, equity, things like that. Now, this is more than triple the European Union's annual budget. Upwards of $150 billion is needed for housing and infrastructure alone. Now, it's more than triple the annual budget that they spend. That's how much they're going to need. Now, of course, the U.S. and the EU have pledged billions in public funds to help Ukraine rebuild critical infrastructure. Um, and the, the corporations are there with their money as well. As a matter of fact, J.P. Morgan, I did a video on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, talking about J.P. Morgan's um, history of funding the war. 
And we talked about how JP Morgan actually played a very pivotal role in World War I and World War II, uh, both in uh, making the war bigger than it ever needed to be, making it go on longer than it ever needed to be, and bringing the United States into the war that it absolutely had no uh, desire to get involved in. And how JP Morgan is doing the exact same thing over there. Um, I, I, it's been a while since I did the video. I think I estimated, or not estimated, basically what JP Morgan has committed was somewhere in the 40 to $60 billion range. Now, ask yourself, if you loan Ukraine money, if you loan them 50 to $60 billion, and that's just JP Morgan, then you have BlackRock and everybody else over there. So we have hundreds of billions that have been um, committed to be loaned over there. What happens if they lose the war? What happens? Do they get that money back or is that money gone? Think about that for a minute, but we'll keep going. Now, what we do know is that the president, uh, Ukrainian president, Zelensky, just came in this last week into the U.S. with his hand out asking for more money. What was interesting is it wasn't just to the U.S. government that he was asking money for. He was meeting with U.S. financial leaders, Wall Street. He met with Ken Griffin. He met with Bill Ackman, which you might might or might not recognize those names. They're heavyweights in Wall Street to discuss now using private sector funds to help rebuild the country. This is where it starts getting pretty dirty, in my opinion. So now he's coming to the corporations. In my opinion, the history of the world has always been corporatism. It's always been big business trying to bend the will of the government to get their way. Whether this be the food industry, the medical industry, or the financial industry, it's sort of the same thing. And here we have now a country that's getting torn up by war that needs $750 billion, and they're trying to get money from the corporations. Hmm. Why would the corporations give them money? Think about that. Now, who did he talk to? Well, I said he talked with Bill Ackman. He met with Ken Griffin. Other attendees included the president of Blackstone. So you might recognize that name. Blackstone's got their hand in lots of things. We'll come back to that. Starwood Capital, uh, former Google chief executive officer, Eric Schmidt. His name pops up all over the place in all the worst places. New England Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, former U.S. Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger. Oh, that's not a good name to have on the list. Michael Bloomberg, the majority owner of Bloomberg News, parent, uh, you know, Bloomberg LP. Um, he tried to run for president. You probably know who that is. But Ukraine's mission to the United Nations in New York was arranged by none other than, yes, J.P. Morgan Chase and company. Um, so deep, deep, deep ties to the corporate class, the corporations and the banks. But again, why would these corporations want to give them money? What do they get back in return? Nobody just gives away billions of dollars for free. They're all expecting something back. So what would they be giving for? Well, let's take a look at Ukraine. So through this war... Their key industries have been completely broken down. Now, Ukraine is a very unique place in Europe. It has a lot of competitive advantages. It has lots of natural resources. Ukraine's rich in natural resources, including iron ore, coal, magnesium, titanium, uranium. They make neon gas that just happens to be needed to make microchips. You might have been hearing about microchips lately with what's going on in Taiwan. Um, we'll come back to that. They're the fourth largest producer in the world of wheat. Also, their geography makes them very unique. They sort of have this strategic lo location between Europe and Asia. 
has access to the Black Sea, the Danube River, so it makes it a very good trading hub. Um, they have a very high level of STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, et cetera. So they have very, very high level of workforce, something that the U.S. doesn't have right now. We'll come back to that in a minute as well. Uh, but they produce some of the best coders, some of the best engineers, some of the best scientists in the world. Also, it's pretty cheap to do business over there, much more cheap than doing business in the United States. So it also makes it a very competitive area, competitive destination for foreign investment. Now, there's lots of potential profitable businesses in Ukraine, agriculture, right? So they have, it's the breadbasket of Europe, very fertile land, abundant rainfall. So it's ideal for agriculture. It's a major exporter of agricultural products. Mining, there's lots of mining, lots of natural resources in the ground, mineral resources, iron or coal, magnesium, things like that. Um, there's a lot of investment opportunities there, obviously. Manufacturing, Ukraine has very strong manufacturing sector because of the STEM people that are graduating from there. They produce a lot of machinery, equipment, chemicals. They, again, like I said, they have a very low labor cost. And they have a, with, you know, with the STEM sciences, they have a lot of IT that's been growing over there. So a lot of successful companies in tech over there as well. A very talented pool of IT professionals. Um, so there's a lot of things over there. Another thing that the world seems to need a lot of, I've been talking about for probably two years now, pound on the table on and now it's the hottest thing going, is uranium. Uranium is what nuclear reactors need for fuel. As a matter of fact, 30% of homes in the United States are, are, using, um, are using uranium. But the U.S. needs uranium. Right now, we depend on Russia for that. And Ukraine has the ninth largest uranium deposits in the world. So there's a lot of things that Ukraine has, agriculture and all types of things that these corporations would want to get into. And then, oh, yes, there's the semiconductors. So as I said earlier, right, they make the neon gas, which is needed for the semiconductors. But if you combine Ukraine's manufacturing and IT capabilities, access to cheap labor, neon gas, you get semiconductors, which again, is sort of what this entire China Taiwan situation is, um, is revolving around. Now, I got to take a very quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, we're breaking down the money pit that's Ukraine. And I'm digging back and I'm going to show you who the players are I already named most of them. And I'm going to show you who the players are. And I'll show you what the real intention is here. Because it's not, obviously, it's not about freedom and democracy. We already know that. We've already broken that down. If you missed any of this, you can catch it on the podcast. Just search The Mark Moss Show. You can go back and listen to that. I'm not going to recap all that. But I am going to come back and name the people and name the places that they're trying to legally plunder this country. So I'll be back with more on that in a minute. When I come back, don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the Ukraine money pit. How much money has been spent? Where did it go? And what is really going on? So if you've been listening all along, um, you're caught up. If you haven't, you missed a lot. Go back and check it out on the podcast. Just search The Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player or go to YouTube and search Market Disruptors and you can watch me and listen to me over there. But I want to talk about the names. Who are the people and what's really going on? So I'm going to tell you the names. I already named some of them off. I'm going to tell you what they're doing and then you can make up your own mind. But it looks like to me that Ukraine's on sale. Let's see. Let's just uh, throw in a war. Let's tear up the nation. Let's get everyone to flee. Tens of millions of uh, Ukrainians have left. And now we have all this land, all this agriculture, all this manufacturing, all this technology, and let's just chop it up and sell it to the highest bidders. So who would those highest bidders be? Well, again, it's the corporations. It's the corporations at the bank. It's JP Morgan Chase and company. Remember, they just set up all these meetings for Zelensky to come over to solicit direct investments in every major sector in Ukraine's economy. Think about that. This just happened. He was just here. JP Morgan set it up with every head to invest into their economy. Let's break it down. So JP Morgan, as I said, they're the major lender in the agricultural sector. They provide financing to the farmers, the ranchers, agricultural companies. They also invest into commodities, uh, coin, corn, soybeans, wheat. Um, they're the major lender to the mining sector. They provide financing to mining companies as well as to the investors. Again, if you go back and understand the history of JP Morgan, then you'll understand exactly what's going on. They profit from war by loaning money. It's exactly what happened in World War One. It's exactly what's happening here. JP Morgan Chase is a major lender to the IT sector. They, they provide financing to IT companies. They also invest into IT companies. So JP Morgan has their hands basically in everything, but it's not just JP Morgan. I mentioned Blackstone earlier. Now, Blackstone's another major company. You hear them buying up all the residential real estate in the United States, for example. In 2022, they acquired a majority stake in Farmland Partners, Inc., which is a real estate investment trust that owns farmland. Hmm. And now Ukraine has all the best farmland in Europe. And now Ukraine's on sale. And now you now Zelensky's meeting with Blackstone about 
investments into the nation. Well, what would they be investing into? Oh, could it be? Could it be farmland? Blackstone has other investments in agricultural companies such as Continental Grain Company. Um, in 2021, Blackstone acquired a majority stake in Talison Lithium, one of the world's largest producers of lithium. Uh, they have other investments in mining companies. Um, they have uh, investments in a number of manufacturing companies. Um, they have global foundries that make semiconductors. Here we come back to semiconductors. So they have all these things. They have uh, investments in Snowflake Incorporated, a data warehousing company, IT companies. Um, so Zelensky's meeting with them to invest into the country. And what do they invest into? Well, it turns out all the things that are on sale in Ukraine. Now, they have other tie-ins. Uh, you've heard me talk about Mitch McConnell, good old Mitch McConnell, the guy that needs to retire. If you're not demanding his resignation, then what are you even doing? He can't even talk, have a press conference without locking up. He was on the news just this week, saying that we have to support Ukraine. It's the number one issue for Americans. I talked about this earlier, which no, it's not. Why would he say that? Does he really, is he really that out of touch? Maybe he is. I don't think that's the case. But if we can look, we can see that maybe he has, maybe it's his number one priority. Why is that? Well, well, uh, we can see that McConnell's second largest donor is none other than Blackstone. And Blackstone is the one meeting with Zelensky about doing major investments into Ukraine. And if Blackstone, his second largest donor, invests into Ukraine and Ukraine loses, what happens to their investments? Hmm. Well, it'd probably go to zero. Yeah. He also met with Starwood Capital, private investment firm that focuses on real estate. They also invest into agricultural land, industrial parks, data centers, things that uh, Ukraine has lots of. Starwood Capital owns approximately a million acres of farmland in the United States. They'd probably like to own some farmland over in Ukraine as well. Um, he also, he also, Zelensky also met with Bill Ackman. Um, Bill Ackman's a big investor. He also invests into the agricultural sector as well. So some of the best agricultural land in the world is on sale over in Ukraine. Are you starting to get the picture? Hopefully you are. All right. Now, so is Ukraine being torn up by war and then being sold off to the highest bidder? Well, it sure looks that way. Now, maybe, maybe not. I'll let you make your own conclusions. I've just learned that where there's smoke, there's fire. And I also know that there's no such thing as a free lunch. These American oligarchs, these Wall Street billionaires, didn't become billionaires by giving all their money away. They only became billionaires by investing their money into things that they can typically control the outcome of. Quid pro quo, you might call it. We'll give you the money, but only if you do these things for us. That's sort of the way it works. So why would they be investing hundreds of billions of dollars into Ukraine? Well, they're buying it up. Now, let's look back into history again to see if there's any parallels. Now, you might have heard of, there was a movie made called uh, Charlie Wilson's War. And it had Tom Hanks in it. Wasn't a very good movie. Uh, there's a book based on the same name as well. But it's not just a fictional story. As a matter of fact, it's a real story. Charlie Wilson's War is uh, a story that was told um, about the late 70s and the 1970s when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. Charlie Wilson was a U.S. congressman from Texas, and he began to pound the table and try to drum up support for increasing support for, for, for the Afghanistans, uh, for the rebels to fight back against the Soviets. 
So the Soviets were coming in and he started pounding the table. Hey, we have to support people in Afghanistan. We have to support the rebels. Let's give them weapons. Let's give them our ammunition to fight back the Russians. Sound familiar? Now, Afghanistan was on the CIA's radar because of a coup in 1978 that led to a new leader who had become allies with the Soviets. So the CIA is like, well, now we have to defeat them. So they provided support to allow these rebels to defeat this new People's uh, Democratic Party of Afghanistan, which was backed by the USSR. So Wilson was working with the government and as a, with CIA operatives to provide these rebels with weapons and training. Hmm. So sounds kind of familiar. Uh, the group we used to work with went with the old party, uh, the Russians. Uh, we don't want the Russians to have power, so we're going to fight against them, but we're not going to go fight against them. We'll create a proxy war. What we'll do is we'll find some rebels and we'll arm them instead, and they'll do all our fighting for us. Sound kind of familiar? Well, it should, because the story's been told hundreds of times. Um, the problem is, is that, uh, well, we, we've seen it happen in other countries. What about Oliver North and the Iran-Contra? Uh, we saw it in Syria with ISIS. We've seen this over and over and over. The problem is, is that we build up these rebels and we give them all our weapons. And then later those weapons end up being used for purposes we didn't want them to be used for. For example, being used against us. Now, Charlie Wilson is uh, kind of infamous for doing this. But like I said, this happens all the time. We see that our weapons, our funds that we give them, our training used during this war allow these groups to then go on and conduct terrorism across the Middle East and, and, and worldwide. We're giving $100 billion worth of aid, billions and billions of dollars of weapons to Ukraine. But where is it going? We know a lot of it has turned up in uh, in, in, uh, in some of the cartels in, in Mexico, for example. It's turned up in uh, Afghanistan. Where does it go? That's the question. The money doesn't just disappear. It goes to someone. Who's getting the money and what for? Now, of course, it's always going to the military company. It's, it's always going to the military industrial complex. That's where it's going. No matter what, they always get paid. And it goes to fight these proxy wars. Now, there's a lot more to this story that I want to break down so you can understand. I'm going, to, I'm going to put a bow tie in this so you can so you can understand this, but I got to take a very quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're breaking down the Ukraine war. We're talking about the money pit. We're talking about what's really behind it, what's really going on, and the people that are directly involved. I rattled off their names. We got a lot more to cover when I come back. You don't want to miss it, though. So I'm going to take a very quick break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're breaking down the black hole that is Ukraine. How much money got dumped in? Where did the money go? Who's involved? What's really going on? And we're going to try to bring this all to head here. So, as I said, throughout history, we can see, we documented, we just kind of went through Charlie Wilson's war. We can see that throughout history, um, the U.S. government, through the CIA, uh, arms rebel groups, gives them arms um, to fight proxy wars, right? We've seen this in Afghanistan. I just broke it down for you in, in uh, Afghanistan. We've seen it in uh, El Salvador, Nicaragua. So we see it happening all over. We saw it happen in Syria with ISIS, et cetera. That's what happens. And that's, that's where we're at. Now, from a first principles level, how does all this work? Well, you have a government that uh, maybe the U.S. or whatever doesn't like anymore. And so then you get a rebel group and you arm them. The U.S. decides to fund this group, give them money, give them weapons. Um, and it kind of becomes this sort of proxy war. But that's exactly what we're seeing right now. We can see Lieutenant General Ben Hodges served as the commander of the U.S. Army in Europe. He retired in 2017, and now he's an advisor to NATO. So he knows what he's talking about, a lieutenant general. U.S. commander of, uh, in Europe, retired in 2017, is an advisor to NATO. He said, quote, if you think about it, Russia has been for decades and still is an existential threat for Europe and the United States. I mean, just listen to what their leaders say. Look at the thousand nuclear weapons. They clearly will keep it going if they're not stopped. So what he's saying is that we have to fight them. The U.S. has to be the one to step up and fight them. But how did we get here? Well, again, it's sort of this proxy war. We have to take control over the government. We can see that it started in the winter of 2013-2014 when the, Euro the Ukrainian leader refused to sign the European Union-Ukraine Association Agreement. Russia refused to recognize the interim pro-Western government, calling it a... A coup is what he called a coup, a color revolution. What is a color revolution? Do you know for sure? Well, let me break down the seven tenets of a color revolution. And maybe just tell me if you think this sounds familiar. So one, it starts with a semi-autocratic rather than a fully autocratic regime. Two, you have an, in, an unpopular incumbent in office. Three, you, you mount up a united and organized opposition to that incumbent. Four, you have an ability to quickly to drive home the point that voting results 
were falsified. Hmm. The United and Organized Opposition to the incumbent leader, the president. And then you have to quickly drum up support and drive a narrative that the voting results were falsified. Five, you have to have enough independent media to inform the citizens about the falsified vote. So now you have to create this era, this, this aura of this, of this fake election. Six, political opposition capable of mobilizing tens of thousands of more demonstrators to protest electoral fraud. And finally, seven, divisions among the regime's coercive forces. Sounds sort of familiar? Now, uh, that's the seven pillars. There's also five phases. So think about these five phases and maybe a country near you that you might have seen some of this stuff. So you sort of have like this crisis leveraged or contrived. So you start sowing doubt. You start building a narrative toward action. You start trying to dominate the narrative. You start hijacking institutions. That's in the crisis phase. Then the next phase, second phase is chaos, confusion, and fear. So now you uh, mix up opposing voices, you ridicule and gaslight people, um, you oversaturate information, both correct and inaccurate, so people can't tell the difference. You drive projections and predictions. You create limited hangouts, which are whistleblowers that actually work for the, the agencies. This is a, like a um, controlled demolition, if you will. Then you have uh, the third phase, division labeling and separation. So now paint good evil, paint a good evil narrative. Introduce outward signs, badges, symbols of an alignment. Separate population from traditional sources of community. Poison organic dialogue, mm, like disinformation, misinformation. Population will begin to self-identify and segregate along labels. That's stage three. Stage four. Apathy and doubling down. Throttle crisis narrative as required. Too much creates a revolt. Too little and apathy is not achieved. Throttle the crisis narrative as required. So drum up the crisis narrative as they need it and then throttle it back to get just the right amount of apathy. Most separated from past friends and community and tired of the chaos resign themselves to apathy. Diehards cement on each side. So you get people that are totally entrenched on either side, and then most are just separated from their previous friends or previous community, and they're tired of this chaos. They just resign themselves to apathy. I just don't care anymore. I'm just tuning out. Sound familiar? And then finally, the last stage is we have the crescendo. Contrive a major crisis. Manipulate levers of power to resolve crisis and secure initial objective. Leverage previous narrative to call diehards from extremes to action. How's that sound? Pretty scary. Sound familiar? Those are the color revolutions. Now, this is the, what the CIA playbook is. This is uh, what they've done in country after country after country after country. As a matter of fact, the Chinese government put out a report I, I reported on uh, last year, basically accusing the United States of being behind every color revolution that's happened. Now, if any of that sounded familiar, it might sound like what we've seen even in the United States. Attack an incumbent president, sow seeds of doubt that um, his election was valid, uh, rise up a mounting force in opposition, you know, like how pallets of bricks showed up on street corners, uh, roll back the apathy, divide the people onto each side. Sort of sounds familiar, right? Anyway, let's get back into the money. So what is the actual cost for this? 
That's what we started talking about. What is the actual cost for this? So let's take a look at this. Per 60 minutes, the U.S. has spent over $43 billion on military aid to Ukraine since Russia invaded. Like I said, it's at least $75 billion. It's probably even more, $150 million, but that's total amount of money for Ukraine, not just for the military. So if we look at just the military, potentially we're about a $50 billion which is about 5% of the Americans' defense budget. Now, that might just be, well, but that's about what everybody would spend. No, because America spends more than the next 10 nations combined. That means we spend more than Russia, China, Australia, Europe, UK, everybody combined. So we spend 5% of that. Now, that budget that was just raised by $26 billion to $842 billion. So now let's do some math. If we go to where the budget is now, 842 billion, we use the 75 billion number that jumps up to 8.9%. If we use the 115 billion number, it's about 15% of the military budget is going to Ukraine. And they want more aid. Now for comparison, this is inflation. Uh, it's worth knowing that Charlie Wilson's war ended up giving um, Afghanistan $3 billion. Now, adjusting for inflation, that's equal to about $10 billion in today's dollars. So there's only $10 billion in that war. This one's $100 billion. Now, other proxy wars, we had the Anglo-In Civil War, um, 1975 to 2002. There's about $30 billion spent there. The Nicaraguan Civil War, 1979 to 1990, about $30 billion was sit, uh, spent there. The Syrian Civil War, 2011 till probably still going on, $100 billion has been spent over there. Where does all that money go? It goes to the weapon manufacturers. It goes to the war companies. It goes to these corporations that are going up and investing into all these assets. Who's building supplies? Who builds the tents? Who builds the shoes for the troops? Who supplies the food? Who makes the ammunition that gets fired? Who makes the tanks, the jets, all of those things. Now, uh, we see this happening all over. So, for example, um, Poland is like kind of tired of dealing with NATO. They don't want to do this anymore. And the U.S. said, okay, fine, uh, Poland, we'll incentivize you to stay on board. Uh, here's what we'll do. Um, let's just give you some money. How about that? How about we'll give you money, but you have to spend that money on weapons that we sell you. Now, if you know your history, you know that that's just a repeating story. It's exactly what happened in World War I. So that's the, that's the story. That's what's going on. This is the money pit, $115 billion down the drain, going to these military contractors. It's the same old story we've seen throughout history. And now you know the names of the people who are doing it. I'm not happy about it, and you probably aren't either. If you just tuned in, you've been listening to The Mark Moss Show. We just finished talking about the Ukraine money pit, where the money's going, and what's really going on. Hopefully you enjoyed this show. Let me know what you think. And that's what I got. Thanks for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.